dive in. Uh, and does anybody need? Yeah, there you go, right? Um, is yeah, although I'm, are you hot or are you cold? Okay, it might it might actually make it hotter. So oh. we'll see. Okay. We got an error. All right. So I'm hot too. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's just the error is on. So I'm not sure if the outside is hot or not. The book. Oh, the book. <laughs> can I buy that? No, but you haven't. <laughs> no need to buy. No need to buy it. Just bring food. Is that warm or cooler out there? Cookies for sure. Yeah, the cookies are. Cookies are nothing more like cool. I got that. Oh, you made those for the Shoot that man over Oh, oh. I think I just think like, yeah, yeah, trotted yeah, yeah, over yeah. here. I know, yeah. I just did too. Yeah. Yeah. Sauna, so All right. Well, right. oh, make some more. Do you need one? I'm okay. No, you, I've got one oh, down. I'm okay. Okay. Uh, put one away. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. 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 I'm afraid every time okay. I pull that chain, I destroy the lamp. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> no, it <laughs> comes apart. Last week I told you, you just barely pull it because it uh, jerked it, the whole lamp. <laughs> well, see that fish that Donovan caught? Yeah. How did you get out of the boat? He was by himself. You know, I, he was by himself. Pounds. Pounds. Really? 180 pound boot end. Ooh, that sounds so, so, but he so didn't have nobody to help him. Off San Diego? It took a half hour or so to, uh, get it on board. Huh? Where you catch it? Yeah, but he, I, when you got those, I catch a lot of bluefin, but we have deck pants. I, I don't understand how he got it onto the boat. He, he uh, actually, because uh, we cleaned the fish just last night, uh, he kept it through the tail. And some, he's got a door on the back. On the oh, door. I get it. Okay. So I think he pulled him through the door. There's no okay. way he didn't lift it up. Right. Yeah. Because it took three people to put the fish on the table. Yeah. What did he uh, catch it on? Yeah. Uh, he's a Mad Max. Mad Max? Okay. Mad Max. Uh, they've been yeah. in uh, how far out? Let's get to know. Probably 15, 20 miles. He goes outside Carolina and he heads towards the Channel Islands. Oh, that's good. Is that a 409 or 409? Yeah. That's where it's where. If you guys want the light out, feel free to turn that on. We're going to turn it off. That's fine. That's good. If you do want it, go for it. Okay. All right. So. Question. We are tonight ending a section that we've been going through for quite some time. Anybody, anybody remember what that large section is? What chapters we're going to end? Chapter 16 tonight. And so we started as a chunk where Jesus did what I call that clusio. We'll talk about that in a second. But so where, anybody remember where we started this section? What chapter did we start this section? Taking you guys way back. <laughs> I, remember, hmm? I remember the actual chapter, but it's 
Okay, yeah, so he's in the upper room, correct. But anybody remember, so 16 ends, and 16 ends um, because it repeats the same thing pretty much. It starts in 14. 14. Okay, so if you take a look, so turn to 14. So we started this section in 14, and look at 14.1 um, on page 88. And just as a reminder, just it's every it's good to remember this every once in a while that there were no chapters, there were no verses in these books. Okay, so the chapters and the verses are not only not inspired, they weren't weren't put in there until hundreds of years ago. So we as men chose where these breaks come. And so someone though reading John is just a whole book would be picking up on these things where you see Jesus or John starting with some phrase and then you see that same phrase ending later on and you go, this is a chunk. And that's how they could tell it, which is called a chiasm or it's called an inclusio, where you're starting with something and somewhere down the road you end with something. And it's really saying that when you see that and the same language used, it's saying everything in the middle has something to do with that. Okay, it's sort of like, in a sense, it's almost like a mini intro and a mini conclusion. Okay, um, so if you take a look at 14, 1, you see that Jesus starts out by saying, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So he starts out with that phrase, and then he goes through 14, 15, and 16, really telling us why our hearts need not be in trouble, why our hearts not, why our hearts need not be troubled. Why do we keep believing in God? I mean, that's really, this this section of 14 through 16 is just a key, key section with that. And so, yes? Oh, but the interesting part about that, what we went over at that time, when we got lesson was that Uh you said that if you go into 13, that's It looks like he's discussing more about for the disciples, but then if you go into 14 and then you jump to 1633, it looks like it's more to us, like it's more about our... Yeah, and that's what you're... Well, you're seeing both. It's a both hands. You're seeing Jesus now addressing both the disciples, but now he's also looking further and saying the stuff that I'm talking about is not going to be just for them but it's also going to be ultimately for the church afterwards, okay? Um, so if you take a look at 16 on page 100, so notice how it started, let not your hearts be troubled. And then if you look at um, 1633, it ends with, I have said these things to you. What has he said to you? All these things <laughs> between 14 and 16. That in me you may have peace. In other words, not tr- trouble turns to peace. And in the world you will have tribulation. Anybody agree with that? Anybody think that's not true? Okay, just check in. But take heart, there's a light word again, I have overcome the world. So when we think about, hey, my heart's are troubled, in any way, 14 to 16 of John is just one of those places go, just go meditate on the word. Just go listen to Jesus talk. Because he reveals so much about our Christian life within this section. 
All right. So we are looking at the last part of 16 tonight, which begins on page 98. And down at the very bottom where it says, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is now, these are the, these are the last words of Jesus to his disciples before he's going to go to the cross. So what we're reading right now is you can picture this, because this is what happens. Jesus is going to say these words we're going to read tonight, and then he immediately is going to go into a prayer where he's praying to the Father. Where he's going to pray for the disciples and pray for us, which we'll be looking at in the next few weeks, chapter 17. But in a sense, like, you can just imagine, like, these are the last words Jesus is saying before he launches into prayer. And then he starts his truck, which is when he's going to get arrested and ultimately then end up on the cross. All right. So you can see he switches here. So I want you to watch how he switches, how he talks to them. All right. So who wants to read 25 through 33? And as you're listening to this, think about what's Jesus doing here? Why are these the last words? What's he, what is he really trying to tell us? as he's going to end this time with them. Um, so who wants to do that? Any volunteers? I'll read it. All right, go ahead. Uh, reading the title, subtitle. Uh, I have overcome the world. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. The disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. <laughs> Go for it. That went right up. In the Navy, they taught us how to give a speech. They said, tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them what you told them you were going to tell them, and then tell them what you told them. That's basically what's happening here. <laughs> All right. What, any, anything that strikes you guys as you're reading these last words before he goes to the prayer? What's, what's, what's sort of happening here between him and his disciples? Well, I don't plainly. Think that, yeah, he's, he's speaking very direct and plainly. To them. Okay. They're, they're, they're fully grasping it now. They're understanding okay. it. But I don't think they could have gotten the part about how they're getting scattered and each two is going home. So here, yeah, so here's my question. Are they fully getting it at this point in time when Jesus is telling them? 
What tells us no? Why, why do you think no? Is there something? Well, they've seen all these miracles and everything else. Uh huh. You know, guy walks on water. <laughs> People pray. He says, her raised from you the will be scattered. All the different miracles. And yeah. They still didn't. Yeah, they still didn't really realize the power of that. Yeah, okay, what were you going to say? What were you saying, Rod? Uh, just that part, uh, you will be scattered. Yeah. When they were always together. Mm-hmm. So, what does that tell you, you know, about where they're at? What does that also tell you about where they're at with believing what Jesus has said? I mean, they're going to get scattered. Why are they getting scattered? What's, yeah. what, what are they going to do? Who's, it, who's scattering them? <laughs> It's just a way to put it. Yeah, it just it's just kind of I don't know. They don't, they don't have the Holy Spirit though. Well, if he's, yeah. if he's not around, they're not going to be following a group of them, and they're going to go back to their perspective lives. Yeah. So I mean, part, remember what happens? They scatter because they want to get the heck out of there because the Jesus is getting says, crucified, and they're like, "See ya." The part the part that says, "And you will leave me alone." Yeah. That's just kind of like, "See ya." You get that feeling? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But God uses those people who fail. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The church uses the people mm-hmm. to, that has failed. Also, that's what the good news is about. So, in a way, God was using the disciples even with, when they couldn't trace that disaster. And they, they finally came on board. The interesting thing, too, also with this is the part where it says um, the time is coming. He mentions that twice. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask the question, so is that post-resurrection? Is it, are they talking about the time is coming? Is he talking about crucifixion or is he talking about resurrection? What is the time? What well, is it? so it depends on which context we're looking at. So wh- which one are you looking at? Which? The first one, it says, The hour is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figures of speech. Okay, so let's keep, keep reading there. Keep finish the sentence. And tell you plainly about the Father. Okay, so when, when do you think that is? I think it's preceding uh, resurrection. <laughs> Go ahead. You're, you're doing this. Go ahead. It's post-resurrection. Post-resurrection. Okay. Okay. Post-resurrection. Yeah. Okay. I get okay. it. Yeah, because he's saying he's going to go up to the Father. Right. Oh, father. okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Greg, I was looking backwards. Yes. Uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about the a little bit okay. about is when he first addressed the disciples, he said, I don't want to trouble you because there's too much for you to comprehend. Yes. He didn't tell him that. What changed his mind? Why did he why did he find it Well, so I want you to think okay, so let's think about context here, because he says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. Everything he said. But the hour is coming well I would no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but would tell you plainly about the Father. Um so I want you to think about when that is, because it's even probably post, not only post-resurrection, but post-ascension, post the Spirit coming down. This, he's referring to a time where, okay, so let me just take you back to 14. 
So 14, if you look at 14, uh, it's page 90, 1425, notice what he says. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, okay, which is still what we're hearing at 16. Which, which, but, which verse? so, uh, sorry, verse 25. Okay. Yeah, verse 25. So these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, I just want you to hear your, also hearing echoes of what he's saying right now in 16, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And he says in another place in 14 to 16 here, the, the Spirit is going to come, and it's a spirit who's going to finally bring the understanding of all the words and everything Jesus has said. So it's the spirit that comes ultimately at Pentecost, but actually comes on the disciples before that we're going to see in John. But it's a spirit that comes on them that finally has them go, aha, we get it. Now we get what he's been saying. So he's resurrected. But it wasn't just a resurrection, it's also the Spirit who has played this role of having them finally get it as to what Jesus has said. Okay? So, there's a sort of sequence that happens. Um, does that make sense? I think... Yeah, go ahead. Can you break it for what he said pre, pre uh, crucifixion and post-resurrection? What yes. Did he, what did he say? Yes. So that's a good question. So, and there's a couple things here I'd throw out. So think about pre-resurrection. We're we're almost at the end of what 16 ends. What he says, other than the last prayer, okay, and other than what he says to Pilate and stuff. So with his disciples, the pre-crucifixion, he said something to you that I'm not going to tell you all this. Just I don't want you to worry. Yes. Right. And. That's and right. He went to crucify, resurrected, and now he's telling them. So when he's resurrected, there is a point in time now where he is now going to be speaking to them right. in plainly. That's forty days. That's right. Okay. That's for exactly that forty days. That's, but that's, I think you important. also hmm? that's important to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when that's the, that's that time, and I would also say, like, you look at the Apostle Paul. Remember the Apostle Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, the resurrected Jesus, and we don't know how long he spoke to him, but it seems like it could be a long, long time. During that time, notice Paul, as he talks, he doesn't talk in parables anymore. So you notice that in Acts, and you notice that in um, in Paul, you don't have the types of figures or speech that Jesus was using anymore. Now things are just really plain. Yeah, much more plain. Okay, because you could, the disciples, we, could not understand everything Jesus is saying until he is resurrected. Because now we get that the cross was the purpose of everything. And now we look back at everything through the cross and we see him go, oh, all these things Jesus is saying, it's like, aha, now we get it. I think also that um, this is something I thought of a couple days ago that another reason why Jesus had to speak in parables was to throw the devil off guard because you have to think Satan was surprised 
Uh-huh. When the whole, when the crucifixion happened, that's right. They caught him off guard. Very surprised. I don't think he was surprised about the crucifixion. I think he was surprised about the resurrection. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know. So if you read here, you can kind of see. He says, "I'm going to go back up with the Father," but he doesn't yeah. mention about any sort of resurrection or anything like that. Right. That's right. It's kind of his way of not trying to reveal the plan, his plans. Yes. You know, Very good. To the enemy. Yeah. Because do notice, because do notice that. I think he's making a point. Notice that Jesus is saying he's speaking. He's speaking. He's no, sorry. He says, "I'm going to speak plainly to you," but he's not really doing that yet because he says, as you're making a point, now they know that everything that have that you have given to me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them, have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who um, have given me, for they are yours. Um, so you see what he's doing. Am I in the right place? Or not the wrong place? Mm-hmm. I'm in the wrong place. No, wait a minute. Sorry. Let me go back. I was in the wrong place then. He says, I would no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I would tell you plainly about the Father. But notice that what he says next. He's just not plain still. They don't know what's happening to him. He says, in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from you. I came from the Father, and you have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world, I'm going to the Father. And they're at this point going, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> this is Jesus talking post-resurrection. Pre. 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 Pre-resurrection. Pre-re- you're, you're asking really good questions, because it's good to know... When is this happening? Yeah. So he right now is still really not telling them, as you're making the point, they don't know he's going to the cross. It's still confusing as to why he didn't tell them first, and now he's telling them. Well, I think in part, one reason is what he just said. Which is, he doesn't want Satan to know his ultimate right. And that's why he says, I have overcome the world. What is the world? What does that represent? It includes Satan. Satan. Yeah. And his work, right? Yeah. And so, I have overcome the world, right? He knew that with the, the death and resurrection, that is the <coughs> ultimate checkmate to overcome Well, yeah, he's claiming his victory. And, right. And so, like, he knows where the chess board is going before it actually takes place. Now, that's why it says in Revelations, uh, chapter 2, verse 7, it basically says, um, to him that overcometh, he will see the kingdom of God, right? So... We overcome the world through Christ. Right. Part of overcoming the world is overcoming Satan and his plan. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about. But Jesus yeah. did say in another gospel that he's going to be back in three days. He's going to rebuild. He, he did. Yeah. But they had no clue but what he was talking about. <laughs> Truly, they didn't know what he was talking about. So he still. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But also, it. it, it the Old Testament also points to the fact that that Christ was going to be, you know, crucified on a tree. Doesn't Isaiah say something about that? Well, Isaiah no. does, but even they back then, and even Paul yeah, and John I mean, are happy to say... they didn't really understand what they right. were saying, but... Didn't he use lift it up from the Yeah, he said lift it up. He talks about, I mean, yeah. Isaiah 52, 53. Yeah. Uh, but when you go back and read it in light of the cross, you go... That's Jesus going through the cross, but right. th- this is not something I don't 
pretty much everybody agrees no one had any kind of handle on the fact that the Messiah was going to be crucified. That was not in the frame of mind of anybody, no matter how well they knew the Old Testament or not. They just did not get that. It was, and just as what you said, part of that is, part of that is just, it, it, Jesus defeated Satan, sin, and death on the cross, ultimately. But, yeah. if you don't mind, if we could discuss this a little further. Yeah. And, and I, I want to follow your, your uh, reasoning. If, if, uh, because I am curious about uh-huh. this. Uh, but if demons could know that Jesus was the Son of God and had the ability that to cast them into hell, yes. and that they were headed to hell, I mean, they knew it when they attacked him. And, and, and they would, we know that you are the Son of God. And right. if they had that knowledge, and they're just sergeants and lieutenants and uh, and Lucifer knows that he just doesn't believe it I mean he just doesn't uh, he, he is self-deceived himself to think that he could even become God and the yeah. word son of God just so you know isn't necessarily fully revealing who Jesus is by just saying son of God because they that's still they did not know he was going to the cross they might look at him as, well, this is this is a son of God. And the term son of God was actually a phrase even Caesar was using about himself during that time. So it's not fully revealing that Jesus is God to the demons. They know he has this power to cast them out. But they don't fully still realize who well, he really okay. is. They, yeah. think that yeah. they think they want. They do. Because <laughs> the whole point was... Satan, it says in Luke, right? I saw Satan fall like thunder. Because Satan tried to go out and usurp God, and God's like, nope, and just cast him in hell. So Satan's like, oh man, well, I can't defeat God, but I can defeat his most beloved creation. It's like a proxy war to get at God. Like, look, I I can ruin your most beloved creation. That's his way of getting back at him. And so, God, Christ, the God's like, and this, this is what I have to say sometimes to Muslims too, because they, they don't fully understand this, but I go to a Muslim, I say, do you believe that God is just? And they go, yes, of course, he's sovereign and just. I go, okay. So, if God is just, then he cannot just let our transgressions slide. It doesn't work like that. He, there needs to be an offering in place for the actual payment of our transgressions, and that's Christ. Now, God knew that and said, okay, well, the only thing in the entire existence of anything that can save my creation for myself is me, right? Because what's sin? Rebelling against God. God cannot rebel against himself, therefore he cannot sin. So he comes down, he gets tempted at every you know way like we do, doesn't sin, and just like it says in Peter and everywhere else, literally throughout the whole Bible, he overcame the world. And through him, we overcome too. And that is what ruined Satan's plan. That's what ruined the demon's plan. They didn't see it coming. That's why he had to speak in parables. They didn't see it coming. 
they 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 probably did see the crucifixion and all that. They did not see the resurrection. Yeah. They didn't see the offering. They thought that we were doomed, and right. they were stoked so, about that. But then, yeah. then why yes. did yeah, okay when Jesus came upon the demonic possessed? Yes. He was person. able to cast it out, right? Well, that, you know, in the tombs, uh, where uh, he asked their name, mm-hmm. and said, yes. we are legion, yes, because we are, uh, we are many, yes, and, you know, and they begged him to send them, him, them into uh, the pigs, mm-hmm. and there was 2,000 pigs, mm-hmm. and so that guy was really demonically possessed, but they also made a statement you know, it is before our time. I mean, they were worried about being cast into hell. Right. They had a knowledge of that. That's right. Of, of what the possibility was. Therefore, if if Jesus had that kind of power, and you know, you know, I would like to know how Satan figures stuff out, but I think he he knew that Jesus was going to the cross, but not that he could not grasp the atonement fact that our sins could be atoned for by that sinless life. Right. Our sins are atoned for. Yeah, I don't think he, going back to what he says, I don't, and again, I mean, I can't speak for Satan, okay? <laughs> don't want yeah. to. Um, and of course, Satan knows that Jesus is, I think, who he's saying he is, because obviously you have the whole temptation scene that happens yeah. in Matthew 4, when Jesus is tempted by Satan. Um, and some will say it's even in that test, testing that Jesus ultimately says, I'm not, I'm not going to obey you, I'm going to obey my Father. Yeah. All right? So I would say, yes, the demons knew it, a lot of who he was. Yeah. What they didn't know is what you both have said now. That's the key. They did not know. I don't even know if they knew who was going to the cross. I don't. I, can't I actually that. don't think they I don't did. think they did. But that what they didn't know is that he would not only be resurrected, but what the payment of that was going to do, because that cross defeated was the final, ultimately was the defeat of Satan and death and sin. And so, that's right. So that event, that's what we're talking about. Everything here is post the cross. Oh, okay. And that's why when we're, I mean, when we're talking here, it's pre the cross. I mean, the guy that they're talking, but he's they don't know about the cross. He's preaching about what's going to happen post the cross. Yeah. Yeah. But none of the disciples, none of them really, we have to understand, none of them really got it until the Spirit came upon them and Jesus rose from the dead. Right. Those two things... I never got a thing until I got born again. Yeah. I well, mean, it made zero, zero sense. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I remember yeah. telling, well, I probably told the congregation, I mean, I I had people telling me about Jesus when I was at my, my first girlfriend did. I did not get, I, 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 turned, I didn't get it. And I went 10 years through Buddhism and all this type of stuff. And then I started going to Episcopal Church where I first, the first time in my life started believing in this God. Yeah. But I got to tell you, it took a whole another year of being immersed in the Christian religion, still going, I don't get why Jesus had to die on the cross. And it wasn't, it's for all of us, it's not until we get that, until the Spirit reveals, this is what he really did. That's what born again really means, is now I get Jesus died on the cross for me. Um, So we're, we're, we're getting this sort of, that's what's neat here, is we're getting this like insight through John, of where they were before 
the cross. <laughs> and that's so, what we're reading right now. So in so addition, but a yes. quick sidebar, thank you for what you were just saying. Uh, from the very beginning, speaking figuratively, Yahweh doesn't have to tell us everything. He's calling us into obedience. So he didn't say it to Adam and Eve, why? He just, this is the plan, follow the plan. And so, when Jesus speaks figuratively, to say it's just so the dark world, you know, to pay them that much mind, it's about us. He loves us. He's calling us into obedience. We just need to submit. And um, until we're born again, we don't have an earnestness anyway. But uh, and that's that's why it's so key. I was just talking to this fellow to try to expect people who do not have faith in Christ to believe the things of Christ. Stop it! <laughs> it's pointless to think you can try to convince someone into into believing and understanding what they're reading without the Spirit also working as part of that that brings them along to that, and then ultimately they believe, and then they really understand. But to try to expect people who don't believe to understand, we just can't. The Spirit is, it says in John 14, it's the Spirit who gives us that understanding to have us go, ah, I get it's the atonement. Ah, I get what Jesus did on the cross. I think a a major part of it is... um, I know it says this in Timothy, um, talking about, and it, actually I'll, I'll give you a better example, uh, the story of the young ruler in Luke. The young ruler comes up, says, good master, you know, how do I inherit the kingdom of heaven? Which is a parable. It's a parable, yeah, right? <laughs> right. But he says, I mean, just basically lists out like five of the commandments and says have you followed my commandments? Well the answer is no. And so when you go to like what I do and I've been able to help bring the gospel to a lot of people by simply just asking them like hey let me ask, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Yes I have. Okay. Um, let's play a game. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list five and then we'll see how well you fit. Right? Okay so <laughs> have you ever lied? Yeah. Okay. Uh, have you ever stolen? Yeah. Uh, sex before marriage? That, you know, that's have you ever coveted? Anything. Literally. Right. And then I say, it doesn't even matter if you've done all ten or just one, because James chapter 2, verse 10 says, uh, if, you, if you transgress the law at one point, you're guilty of all. Right? Exactly. So it literally, also, too, if you yeah. tell one lie, it's over. Right? So, And I say, that's what you're getting saved from. Well, why do I have to get saved from that? Because God demands perfection. He demands utmost perfection. And nobody can be perfect. Nobody. But there was one person who was, and that was Christ. And by virtue of believing on him, right? Uh, John chapter 6, verse 40. This is the will of the Father. To whosoever believeth on me, or believeth and seeth me, shall have everlasting life, right? It's all about believing and inheriting that righteous that you cannot get yourself. And so, bringing people to Christ, it's not really about telling them, like, oh, he walked on water. And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, like, they don't buy it. It's not that. It's about explaining, listen, this is what you're getting saved from, is yourself. And you can't save yourself. It's not about what you do. If you think 
you know, Matthew 7, 21. They, these people think if I do good works, if I go to church and, and put money in the box and do this, like, these are all good things. I'm not saying don't do that. But it's not but what gets you into heaven. It's believing on Christ. And when you say that to them, I've seen people's eyes light up. Because they, unbelievers or people who've been around Christ or have known about it, they think that I have to be a good person. When you tell them it's not about that, you watch these people and their, their eyes light up because they're like, it like lifts all that burden from them. And then they go, okay, now I get it. And that's when from my experience, the Holy Spirit begins to come in. Because now they get it. The Holy Spirit comes in, they become obsessed, they start reading and reading and reading, and then they go, wait, maybe he did walk on one, because he's God, right? And maybe he did raise people from the dead, and then that's how it works. Yeah, good. All right, good. All right, so others, I want to give some other people a chance. Um, Eric, did you? I think that there's a real wind-up here when it says, and you will leave me alone. And where are you, Tom? Where's that? That's um, 1632. Uh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, behold, the hour is coming, indeed, it will come. And this is, and, and, and will you will leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. So... So the disciples leave him, but then he says, I'm not going to be alone because I'm going to the Father. And then it comes full circle that they need to realize that they're not going to be alone because of the Holy Spirit being sent. So my question is, how do they experience the Holy Spirit being sent? How do the disciples experience yeah, Holy Spirit? after he's gone. Well, we're going to see in a place in here, I forget exactly where it is in John, where the Spirit does come upon the disciples. So there's a point where the Spirit does come before pre-Pentecost. Okay? okay. So there's a point where the Spirit, Jesus actually says, manifests. Breathe, yeah, and breathe on them. Jesus actually breathes the Spirit onto them. Okay? The ultimate for everybody is at Pentecost when the Spirit, Jesus, needs to go up to heaven at the right hand of God, before the Spirit will come down and now can live among and with and in. So God living. has to be completed, basically. Yeah, and this is, he's sort of telling you this is the whole trajectory that has to happen before yeah. you're going to fully get it. Yeah. I have a burning question about that, which uh-huh. you just said that I yeah. don't understand. So after the 40 days, there's another 10 days, and it's a total of 50 days. For the Pentecost. Well, I, yeah, I think... I don't understand what the extra so forty. Is. So forty. If, now I might get this wrong, so I should know. But I forty days when he rose from the dead. If, and you guys help me if I'm wrong. I'm trying try to get. I might have my time off. Forty days he is resurrected, and Paul talks about in First Corinthians 15 that at least 500 people, and that means men there. So it means like a lot of people saw Jesus in his resurrected state. Okay, so I mean, that's part of like, you can't refute that. <laughs> when you go back and look at historically, say that, if that wasn't really true, those people would have been saying that at the time. So, for 40 days, Jesus lives in a resurrected state here on earth. At the 40th day, he goes up to, at the right hand of God, ascension. He ascends, this is the beginning of Acts, he ascends up to the 
right hand of God, and then I think it's ten days later that the Spirit comes and Pentecost happens. I think... And, and can somebody sequence. tell me where that's in the scripture? I've Acts. The book of Acts. Okay, I've been meaning to go. I want yeah. to read the book of Acts it's, again. It's a read, read the book of Acts. Uh, exactly. I don't understand what those ten days mean. And, I, and I, when I heard that it was about the Spirit, but I, you know, I, it yeah, doesn't I sound like, like anything. I don't want to take the time too much. It doesn't sound like anything physical, so I could understand. Go read Acts 1 and 2, and you'll have it. Right but, but Pentecost okay. is a Jewish feast, yes. festival, where all males had to be in Jerusalem. Yeah. But the point Which here is that Pentecost is the time God decides to bring right. the Spirit but, on top. But of it is 40, it's weeks, is it it's the festival 40 of weeks. weeks. 40 Well, days. seven weeks. Okay. In the 50th day, you know. It, yeah. Oh, wow. I, and so, I mean, it, it's a, it is that. It, because it is, it is a, it, it fulfilled all of the festivals that the Jewish right. people have. Oh, all okay. the things that are, that are represented by Christ. Yeah. Passover. Okay. The crucifixion. Okay, great. Okay. And then I do have one yes. thing I want to point uh-huh. I'm not trying to talk too much, but no, I just thought this was interesting, and um, I don't think there's any answer or question for it. But at 33, he mentions, in contrast, me, yes. the world. Okay. Okay. And then in contrast, he says, peace and tribulation. Yes. And then the last words, he claims his victory. Yes. I don't know if that means anything, but it's what I know. You, but you just says yes. So those, the, getting those, just you just picked up the key words all in those last two sentences. I have said these things to you that in me, remember in John 15, he talks about all the abiding. In fact, through John, remember we were talking about abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ. He's reminding us all of these happen in him. He is the one who does it, not me. <laughs> okay, it is what he does through him. In me, these things are happening. You may have peace. We don't have, we do this all the time. I think we're doing as Christians right now. We try to think that the world, we can change the world to bring peace. I'm not going to say bad words. We can't. (laughs) We just can't. Peace is only in Christ. Now, we can do things in the world to help be peacemakers. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. We can do things and should to help bring peace. But that's not the real peace Jesus is talking about. Real peace is only in him. Alright? Because in the world, the contrast, you have tribulation. Why? Because we're still in the present evil age where Satan, even though he's defeated, he still is in control of the world. He still is working through the world systems. Um, so I love what you just said there, because notice that he says, why is it you only can have peace in him? Is because he is the one who has overcome the world. And we're going to see all these things, which is cool, wrapped up in Jesus' prayer in 17, that he pulls all this stuff together in this beautiful prayer for the Father. and talks about how he prays the fact that we are to be in the world like him, but not of the world. That's his prayer still for everyone else today. <laughs> Every day. How do you be in the world but not of the world? You know. Alright, anybody else? Others? Just questions? Any thoughts? I have or? a question. Uh-huh. Um, having gone to Vietnam and paid a price and realizing that the price that all the way 
of World War One, World War Two, Korea has been the investment in our country. I look at the strategic things that are going on and how we're responding to those worldwide threats. I start to get carried away, and I get really emotional because I have a big investment in you made it what's going on here. Yeah. So the tension that happens for me is I get angry that think that things aren't going in a good direction and we're all liable and I get fear in my heart and and then I catch myself getting all wound up <laughs> and then I come back to this that I'm not supposed to worry about that because he's got it. And that's not easy to do because there's so much evidence, you know, that I see. And um, I saw a video about China is preparing for war. They're, they're mobilizing their whole country to award footing. And I'm going, hello, you know, what are we doing here, you know, in our work woke society? What are we? What are we doing? You know, let's wake up. And so, I have to keep catching myself emotionally and saying, "God's in control. My job is still to show up the best that I can with my ethics and not hurting people and doing the best that I can." And. Um, I don't know if anybody else experiences that, but it seems to be a real battle hope that's that everyone going else on. would raise their hands. <laughs> I'm constantly having to mitigate looking at my feeds, wanting yeah. to know and keep, keep knowing what's happening, but not get so caught up in it that I get. Yeah. And what's and I, what's real and what's not real, and you know, and what is so. And who and so that's what I love is Jesus keeps taking us back. That's the only peace that you can have is and to say. You got it because I'm really worried here, and I, I I I have to believe in you and that you know what's going on. I think you just keep keep at that because that is what faith is all about. Our faith is in a person. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. Trying to find truth in the world and thinking I have it here and I don't have it here. Truth outside of the Word of God, truth outside of Jesus, is is not real truth that we can count on. All we can count on Jesus, the person of Jesus. He is the one sitting at the right hand of God. He is the one who what overcame the world. And that thinking is the only way that you can dissipate the tribulation. <laughs> and it's, yeah, and it takes way. it takes work. Yeah, it, and awareness. He's focused, yeah. The tribulation is what brings a lot of people to him. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. see what's going on in the world. Okay, others. Anybody? You know, and on yeah. that, Eric, that's so great what you're saying, is that what other, you know, in the philosophies of the world, what other maker of all things would actually give you a picture of himself at the end where he shows up in victory and basically there's going to be a lot of battles and a lot of things that we're not real happy about. But he shows up in the victory in the sword of his mouth and... All those armies, every single one of them is just going to bow. Not in my timing or our timing, but it, it is, it's, it's the future. It's what's going to happen. Cause he said, he's, he said it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
Anybody, um, anybody else? Just thoughts? All right, I have a question for you folks. Just thinking about this, because I was thinking, reading this on the, by the world, we have tribulation. I was thinking actually through this because of your song, Ken. Um, it's very convicting for me. As I, as I was, here's my question. My question is, I look at this now, look at what Jesus does, he's overcome the world, and I wonder, as each of us look at ourselves, I'm not going to ask you to share this, but I want you to just look at your heart, look at yourself and say, are there places in your life where you're keeping sinning, (laughs) you're still living in some area of your life where there is sin and it's not going away. And it's got a hold of you. Uh, and maybe no one knows about it. Maybe only the person close to you knows about it. But you keep on with this. Maybe you've been doing it all your life. Maybe you've only been doing it for a short, short time. But you've got something that you're stuck in sin. And Jesus is saying here, I died on the cross for you. I've overcome that sin. Romans 8, 1 said, there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. So, if I was asked the question, what would it take for you to stop, I'm saying this to myself, (laughs) what would it take for you to really stop sinning? You know you shouldn't. You know you keep doing it. You're in faith but you've still got this thing you're stuck in. What is it that you think would have to happen for you to stop that like that? What what would it take? It's easy. Power of God. Christ comes back. It what? Christ comes back. Okay. All right. So there's, there's a really good one right there. Do you guys hear that? So tell me why you say that. Um, we'll be with him. When I go to heaven, I won't keep sinning. Okay. All right. So for you to stop that, I'm not saying you personally, but just as, for you for to stop, that sinning to stop, are you saying that he has to come back, or is it that he has to come back and take you back for you to stop sinning? Probably he has to take me. Okay. All right. Okay, that's good. That's all right. So there's one. There's an answer. Thank you for Tim. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything to do about it. I thank you for not perfect. Uh huh. I think people do make changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. Most of them are based on what they call a significant emotional experience mm-hmm. called C S E D, and people actually see that they do alter their lives. Uh huh. But they have to be with respect to sin. I think we all sit. We all sit every day. Mm-hmm. Maybe in insignificant ways that we don't really understand. But I'm going back to my book. Okay. I can't think of anything that, that um, let me get that more thought. Alright. There was a guy. Hold on for me. Yeah, we keep, yeah, go Well, what is that called? A CE? C. S-E-E. Oh, C. Significant emotional. 
So that's like right when you decided to like. It, it will drive people to change their lives. Yeah. Mm. Okay. There was a guy in our church. It could be a heart attack. It could be stroke. Yeah. It could be okay. something happened to your loved ones. Yeah. Something yeah. emotional. All right. I just said going to anybody. Yeah, cat. Okay, so man, you just hit the nail on the head. I, <laughs> I actually am going through a tough time with that. So I felt like these past few years that you know we always say. I'm trying to do the best I can, and I thought I was good. You know, I thought I was really good. And I was at the beach the other day, and I'm reading this book by John Bevere, and this kind of took me over the edge. It's a short little sentence I'll read to you. It says, "This brings up an important question: Will only our words and works be examined in the judgment seat, or will our thoughts and motives be included?" And I fell, I fell. I fell down, I think, for two days. I think the day after I read that, I got really depressed. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because this weekend, I had a friend that was helping me replace some rotwood on my deck. We went down to Gnault's, and we thought I'd make it easy and just have them template those pieces, and I don't have to do any cutting. So we put those to the side. They measured them and put them on the side, and I'm getting ready to leave. Throw the lumber in my pickup and I'm getting ready to leave and my and, and the and my friend says over to the guy, Is it alright if we leave those there? And the guy kinda looked dumbfounded and he goes, I'm not sure. He goes, but you probably should take them. I'm thinking, Oh man, why did he do that? Now I have to get rid of these things. So I threw them in the back, tied them down, took them. Then we stopped by Sherman Williams and I'm gonna get some some putty and um, some wood putty. And I'm trying to get the cheapest one because it's just a little piece. And me growing up in the Inland Empire, I always felt like I was born to try to get the best deal. That's just who I am. And so I said, well, that, that stuff's really expensive. Do you have anything the same but a smaller tube? And he says, well, I got this stuff over. It's $5.24. And Ken, read that for me. My other friend's name is Ken, too. So he goes, no, that's not, that's not what we need. We need the other stuff. I go, I don't know. Can we just use this? So the bottom line is I grabbed the stuff, went to the counter, getting ready to pay for it, and the guy's just trying to look up my name and, you know, find out if I'm a member. And the manager comes over. Well, you know, you probably will remember, but, you know, let's just go ahead and quit showing. So he puts me in, and he goes, he goes, okay, let's, how much is that? And uh, the guy that was going to ring me up says 525 <laughs> you, you know where I'm going with this, right? Go ahead, yeah. I don't know if I would have spoke up or not, but the person who I'm really, one of my best friends turned around and looked right at both of us, and he goes, no, that was the other one. That one's, I think, is 13. And I, I honestly don't know what I would have done, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. Maybe I would have spoke up. I don't know. But the bottom line was, when you asked that question, the first thing I said to myself was, that for me, it's my friend. It sometimes can be a friend that can help you with that. With, with, when, you know, I know I took it a little bit further than just seeing. I took it about seeing now becomes thoughts and motives. And, you know, just when I thought I had it all figured out, you know, I, I figured I'm not going to church because I'm a Catholic. I'm, uh, it's a mortal sin. Um, I'm actually coming here on my own will to be with brothers and, and learn about Jesus and doing some studying and praying more and more and I'm feeling like I'm doing everything right and then 
now I gotta worry about my thoughts and my motives. And now I gotta worry about, you know, the five dollars. I mean it was eight bucks, like I can't afford the extra eight bucks, but for there for a minute the devil had me. So iron sharpeneth iron. Yeah. Alright, others anybody else as far as thoughts on last weekend. Last weekend? A guy walked by me with a T shirt on that was perfect for this. I asked God to make me a better man. So he sent me a wife. <laughs> well, I think all of us marry probably say amen whether we want to or not with that. <laughs> but there was a guy in, in our church for years who was having a very difficult time with alcohol. <clears throat> and he came home one night and took a shower and he said, God spoke to me orally. In the shower, he said, stop drinking. And I did. So So that's, I wonder, going with the, just, so, if Jesus literally walked in that door right now, and he knows each one of our hearts, and he looked at you in your eye and said, stop. Hmm. Except the irony is that not the irony, the but the, the truth didn't. is, huh? The disciples didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, well, they did at first until he rose from the dead, and yeah. then they got a like. Thomas is like, <laughs> my Lord and my God. <laughs> That's when you know he like said, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I still uh, remember what Jimmy Carter said, you know, lust in my heart. It's just as bad as it's sexually assault. Yeah. So I want you, so I want us to just turn it out. I want to close. I want to like Ken share something, um, just as we end here, which I think sort of fits into some of the stuff we're having. So I want you guys to notice Jesus says here, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He has already done that. Okay. But I want us to look at what does that mean for us right now? Alright, so people, anybody with Bibles, who has a Bible that you can look up a verse? Can you look up a verse for me? Um, I want you to look up, why don't you look up 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 57. Um, Kurt, can you look up Romans 8, 37? Okay. Anybody else have a Bible? Yeah, I do. Um, Can you look up 1 John 2, 13? And I need one more person. Okay. Steve, look up 1 John 5, 4 through 5. All right? So I want you guys to just hear this now. Listen to what is said. Jesus is the one who's overcome the world. What does that mean for us? All right? So who um, who has Romans 8, 37? I do. Okay. Part you have that? Okay, when yes. you okay, Starting listen. verse uh, 37. Uh-huh. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor principalities, nor powers, neither things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua, yeah. our Lord. I mean, this is a Jewish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want you to read the very first part of that. 
read that. Start. Read that again. Okay. Uh, so he's answering. Uh, uh, I'm going to. Yeah, just go start. To, just okay. start there. Just start. Right at, just start. Thirty-seven. Okay. He's making a statement. No, and all these things we are more than conquerors. Okay, stop through. right there. So I want you guys to know that phrase in Greek, "more than conquerors," means super conquerors. It's a Greek word that has actually got a prefix on top of it that means you are not just people who can overcome. You can conquer. You are super conquerors, hyper conquerors, ultimate conquerors. That we have through Christ who's overcome the world, who lives in us, we have the ability to conquer anything, any sin in our lives, anything that's going on through Christ. So that's what that Greek word means there. So just, there's one example. So who has 1 Corinthians 15? 15, 56 to 57. 56 to 57? Yeah, 56 to 57. Now, the thing of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So again, sin, we have the victory. And again, it's because Jesus overcame the world. So who has 1 John 2.13? Oh, yeah. 1 John 5, 4 and 5? Well, you're, let's see. Oh. Who you have, yeah, you have 5, but let's do 1 John 2.13 first. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Yeah. See, you hear that? Yeah. Just stop right there. You have overcome the evil one. We talked about the Satan tonight. Mm -hmm. We live in a world where Satan is alive and well. Yeah. But we have the power through Christ to overcome evil, even, let alone the sin in our lives. All right, in the last five, four through five, first jump, five, four through five, go ahead, Steve. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So did you guys hear that? Read that again. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So I want you to just hear that. Jesus here tells us he overcame the world. Through the cross... Now he's saying, you all who believe in me, <laughs> what? Overcome the world. Keep reading. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So it is our faith that today, through that faith, we can overcome the world through Jesus. So it's not just that he's done this. He has done this so through the cross with our faith in him. Anything you guys are going through, anything of sin, anything where you think I can't do this anymore, through Christ, you can conquer that. You can overcome that. I mean, that is a huge promise. So just hold on to that promise, okay? Um, and I want to let Ken just share. Um, so... As we end, because um, Ken's been doing something. Um, well, I just let you share. It's sort of neat what he's been, what he's doing right now. Well, um, my kind of like my whole dream was that to get my kids on the right track and you know, be saved and Christians and like me and my wife. And um, <clears throat> so I raised them Catholic, and 
when we got here to Laguna Beach in the 90s, I joined this church with them, and we did a baby dedication. And, um, I I don't know why. I don't. I can't tell you the year that we left, but we went back to Catholic Church to St. Catherine's, and my son was did um, first communion, confirmation, so did my daughter, and then I came back to Little Church. But so what I'm where I'm going with this is that I kind of left Tabor, my son, with nothing. Like after that, like we didn't really talk about it anymore until I really got involved with you guys, you know, more back in this church, and I really started getting into Christianity with my wife, and so my dream was to have, which my daughter just went to refuge tonight, and my son, I always feel like he's not interested, so anyways, last year he was 19, and he went to Greece for a month, and uh, he worked in a hostage, and I was scared, and this year he said, Dad, I'm a I'm going to go back to Europe. I save some money. And, um, oh, I go, okay, where are you going? Croatia and a couple other places. I said, he's at, uh, doing some filming at these hostages and he works there and uh, he wanted to see the world. And I go, how long are you going for it? Four months. Oh, man. I mean, my heart almost jumped out of my heart. And, I mean, out of my chest. And anyways, he reads a lot. So he's reading. He's in Europe. He's ready to come home and he picks a book up and he sends it to my sister and he says, I start reading this book, and I'm having trouble with it. And my sister says, well, you know, your dad, you know, your dad knows, probably knows a lot about that. He is a study group. So he sent me the book. I immediately sent it over to Greg because I was really inspired, you know, this could be the one. And it's called The, the Awe of God. And um, I sent it to somebody else that, that, that I felt like it, I needed an approval, and I got thumbs up for both. And... He came home a month later. I read it as fast as I could, and I, it was hard. I mean, I just I couldn't get it. It's, it's about the fear of God. So, anyways, to make a long story short, we got we got a study group together, and it was my son. Which I don't feel like if my son was interested, he wouldn't have joined the study group. So I felt I, I felt a little confident about this. Uh, Stacy Myers, who was one of the strongest members of this church in the '90s and the early 2000s. And my sister, who is really strong in the faith right now, in me. And last Tuesday, I went and met with Greg. And I said, well, here it is. You know, it's coming up this Sunday. And, you know, I felt like I was walking on thin ice with this whole thing. And um, I asked Greg a little, I don't know, I've never facilitated a Bible study before. This is more, and I kept telling my son it was a book club because I was scared to tell him it was a Bible study because we did have Bibles. And I was so nervous he was going, I don't want to go to, you know, but... But he said, I heard him one time tell mom, you know, like, yeah, we got the Bible study this Sunday. So I think, oh, okay, maybe it's okay. So anyways, we sat down, really rough. It started really rough. Um, I actually didn't even know Epic, but I did have a study guide, and Greg, Greg said, if anything, follow that study guide. And we did the study guide, and we got to some questions at the end. And then it started getting smooth, because everybody started, like we are, we get feedback, and we start feeling good about it. And... It got three quarters of the way into it. We got to some heavy questions, and one of the questions was, you know, what's your first memory of you um, uh, having a relationship with God? And I'm thinking, oh man, it's going to be a tough one for favor. So we all said something, and mine was more like, you know, the Catholic Church and blah blah blah. And then I got to Tabor, and he was eager to talk. I was mm-hmm. kind of shocked. He said, well. 
Well, mom and dad started taking me, you know. He doesn't remember the little church by the sea, but he said that mom and dad took me, you know, to St. Catherine's. And that's why I started wondering about it, you know. And I, so we were listening to him, and I'm thinking, wow. And then, and then he said, and then he said this to us. He goes, so, oh, what, what are three things that you're grateful about? And he said, well, I say that every night when I say my prayers. So I don't even know he's doing this, and I'm kind of shocked, right? So, I mean, I'm ready to cry in tears. And then and then we get to the end of it, and I'm going, like, I don't want too much more because that's enough, you know. I mean, I don't want to go out and baptize him right now, <laughs> you know, or bring him to Greg and throw him in the tub, you know. I just want to move slow, you know. And in this, this is the end of the story, but this is the shocker. We got that prayer request. I put mine down for grace. Um... Stacy had one, Sandy had one, and come to Tabor. Well, as kids become teenagers, sometimes they don't talk to their siblings, sometimes they do. Tabor and Leah have a really different personality. Tabor's really quiet, mellow. Leah, the 16-year-old, is just wild, and she's a girl. And it bothers him. He doesn't, he doesn't like boastful people and things. So, they haven't talked. Even when he was in Europe, he sent her one text and said that, you know, maybe we can work on it, I love you, but they don't, he came home and they still don't talk. So it's, it's always bothered me. And then the prayer request, it's your turn, Tabor, and he said, my request is for Leah Garcia. And I was just sitting there like shocked. And we all kind of just looked at each other and, oh no, what's he going to say? And then he said, my sister goes, well, what's your prayer request for her? Well, she's 16, and she doesn't have a lot of self-esteem right now, so I'm praying for her safety. And I felt like, thank you, God. Thank you so much. I mean, you answered my prayer. We concluded with the prayer, um, and we're meeting back in two weeks, and I just, I just thought that was odd. I, I, was, I told Greg, he asked me how the study went. I said, it went amazing. It was rough to start, but I want to share this with my Bible study. That's it. And I had not heard that, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Praise God. And great. this book, it was neat because when he when he had said, "Oh, my son told me about this book," I'm always I'm very mm, about books, you know. Just <laughs> outside the Bible, I always tend to be like, "Okay, we'll see where this goes." But this is actually a good book, um, really solid, and it's all about sort of even what you were speaking about. The contrast between the fear of the world and the fear of God, and how those things are very, very different. And that's, I mean, it really leads right into the whole thing about our, uh, with sin, is are we fearing the world, or are we fearing God? And the fear of God is reverence to The fear of, uh, the awe of God. The awe of God. Yeah, John Bevan, V-E-V-E-R-E. fearing the world? So fear in the world is literally, we're like captivated, we're afraid. We're, I mean, it's the things we were talking about, even Eric, you know, we're fearful, like, oh my gosh, what's happening with all this stuff going on politics of the world, or China, and all this stuff. I mean, you can just, fear. you get, your your take, is what fear does, is it takes you away from Christ, and focuses you on the world. Mm-hmm. Where the fear of God is exactly the opposite. It takes you away from the world, and puts your focus on, and fear of God is the reverence and awe. It's like, exactly. that's what it's called, the awe of God. It's like, when I told you, if Jesus really walked right in right now, that would be, we would all experience the fear 
of the fear of the Lord. Not in the sense of, oh my gosh, but just in the sense of, wow, this is the Christ. This is God who saved me, who died at the cross for me, who loves me, who I'm going to spend eternity with. And we would go, <sighs> change, it would be your um, seeing event. <laughs> see, <laughs> your see event. <laughs> we see Christ. If so. you walked in the room, that would be seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks you guys for sharing tonight. Uh, thank I got you, one thing for, to yeah. throw uh-huh. Kind of picking up on what David was talking about, psychological aspects of things. Yeah. <clears throat> I did a lot of counseling, and one of the things I went through, they they talked about addictions. And they said, the definition was anything you do on a repetitive basis, and the key is, in order to feel better. <laughs> and so... Golf is safe, because I don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> it can be anything from ice cream and chocolate yeah. to sexual addiction to anything. Right. And And so... Having worked on that, what I realized was that's where Satan gets his foothold. And so when I get to the point where I just want to have a drink or do something like that, I ask myself, you know, what's underneath? What is it that bothers me so much that makes me want to do this on a repetitive basis in order to feel better? And, and what I found was there's oftentimes there's a psychological scar that's so painful that we just don't want to go there. We don't want to face it. And, and, I, and I thought that, you know what, the only way to be free is to part the curtain and step through it to the other side. And, and that's what breaks the power of Satan. So in a way, you know... It's it's a it's a path and it's a key for us to get in touch. That you know what, what when we feel those things, what's going on, and what's underneath, and it's not easy to to get there and to figure that out. But when you realize that it's Satan's foothold, then you don't have much tolerance for allowing it to keep on going on, because um, he has no business. Having that part of your life. It's called peeling the onion. Peeling the onion. <laughs> so, the thing about it is, I think we as individuals can't throw up that curtain and walk through. You know, and everybody says, we you know. Yeah. Through counseling or identification. Or and friendship. Friendship. Mm-hmm. Those things, yeah. yeah. This room is part of that. Yeah. Amen. Alright, well, let me close. Father, Thank you for uh, just this evening, and thank you for your word uh, that you remind us that you are the one who we find peace in. That you are the one who has overcome the world. It is because you've overcome the world that we are now super conquerors. We can overcome evil, we can overcome sin, and we can do that because you have already overcome sin, death, Father, I just pray for every single one of us in this room tonight that this week may be a week that there's some place in our lives that we need to stop sinning, 
that we will encounter you as if face to face. And we would just simply, it's not simple, (laughs) but through the power of your presence, the power of your love, the power of you overcoming this world, if we will become a little bit more holy as you have already made us holy through the cross. I thank you for Tabor, Lord. I thank you for the work you're doing in him. I pray for a reconciliation with his sister. I think, continue to pray for Ken with his Bible studying the ways you're working. And just pray for every one of us tonight, Lord. Thank you for being our God. Thank you that we can be like Thomas and declare my Lord and my God, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. I'd like to lift up one prayer, uh, prayer request. Uh, Dale and I have a dear friend, and uh, he's been diagnosed with something very rare and probably terminal, and he's having trouble facing it. I'm And uh, we're trying to be there for him. And um, he just... He doesn't want to go to the next doctor to find out what the path is because it's not reversible, it's not treatable. So, um, what's his name? His name's John. So I'd like to lift him up. Okay, well, why don't we, let's hold on. Really? Hey, Kurt and Robert, let's hold on. Just pray. I want to let, you want to pray for Yeah. So, Lord, uh, I just want to lift up John. Um, a brilliant person, uh, so much to offer, and just a light to everything that he touches. And and Lord, uh, he is a persona that's so strong and capable, and yet this thing has come into his life that he has no control over. And Lord, I just ask that um, you would just give him the strength to face this thing, to understand it, and, and to be able to come into contact with your love for him and how precious he is in, in your sight, Lord. Um, just open his eyes for your love that passes all understanding. Let him get a glimpse of that, Lord, as he dances all around and, and he avoids the reality that's, that's the path that he's on. So, Lord, I also ask that Dale and I would be given the words and the thoughts and be able to come alongside him and to walk with him through this time and do it in a way that he could feel your presence in our life going through to his life. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.